Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sea Change Podcast. I am your host, Jenna Valente, and this is your go-to show to meet the most interesting and inspiring people living, working, and recreating along the American shorelines. Now, some of you may be wondering why you are hearing my voice midweek, as my shows are typically released on Fridays, and that is because we are back with another seasonal celebration episode in collaboration with my friends at the Portland Poets Society. The day that this comes out is June 21st, which marks the summer solstice for those of us in the Northern Hemisphere, meaning this day offers the most amount of daylight that we will receive this year. So get out there and enjoy it if you can, because at the risk of sounding like a downer, it is only going to get darker from here until late December. And for those of you that are newer to this show, These seasonal celebration episodes were born from the recognition that humans tend to energetically move with the seasons. And I have this fascination with the distinct feeling that seasons and the transition periods between them have, but it's not only that feeling, it's how the changing landscape, daylight, weather, wildlife, sights, smells, and so on impact us. So I've been partnering with the Portland Poets Society on these episodes for a year now. That's right. This is our one year anniversary episode. And as soon as we release one of these, I am already looking forward to the next one because they're so much fun and it brings me great amounts of joy to feature all of the different poets that we've had on over the past year from around the world. I mean, we've had people on from Maine to Taiwan and everywhere in between Uh, all joining together to share their work for these seasonal celebrations. And something that I really love about these episodes is that in addition to exploring how the seasons impact us, sharing through this podcast medium can be a great way to feature your work. So say you write poetry, but maybe you aren't ready to get up and read it in front of a group of people. This is perfect because you don't have to. You can read your work in the comfort of your own home, which is really nice because there is a sense of safety and security in that, which I particularly enjoy. And I think it's a really beautiful thing also to hear everyone's voices coming together back to back. These episodes, I was thinking about this before I started recording, they really are like music to my ears because everyone is so unique and made up of whose voices and perspectives are being shared at any given moment, um, depending on who submits and what they have to say. So from the bottom of my heart and the depths of my soul, I just want to thank you to our contributing poets. You are what make these episodes shine. So now I'm going to hand it off to our featured poets, and I will pop in at the end of the episode to close it out with a few poems of my own. And speaking of safety and security, we leave it up to the poets to decide if they want to share their name or their pen name before reading their poems. Some choose to remain anonymous. So if you hear what sounds like a different voice without an introduction, that is a poet who is either reading anonymously or forgot to introduce themselves on their recording. And we are all human beings. That happens. Um, So with that, It is my pleasure to present to you our poet's farewell to spring and welcome to the summer season. Hello, my name is Ainsley McIlivray, otherwise known as the Portland Cryptid, 
and I have two poems for you. This first one is a little bit more witchy. Um, it's about the summer solstice, otherwise known as Letha, otherwise known as Midsummer. The list goes on, um, sort of just depends on where you are in the world, how you celebrate it, and what you call it. So, this is Letha. The sun hangs still up above at its zenith. Rejoice. Dance with the druids through the flowers and the flames. The oak king, seated on the greenwood throne, smiles and sunlight itself beams through us. Abundance, abundance, abundance. Harness the sun. Put it in your bag. Brush it through your hair and carry it with you until the wheel of the year turns to the dark. Okay, this next one is called Tendrils of Summer. The urge to grasp life by the horns, to race against fear and leave it in the dust, to hold the flame of creativity and watch it dance between my fingers. Let me taste the deepest reds of each sunset. Drink the sweet elixir of late night laughter. Watch the stars in the sky as they watch back. To devour delicious conversation with friends, dancing on the tightrope of connection between us. To feel the budding flower of attraction unfurl its petals in my chest. To accept feeling uncomfortable. Shining a light on vulnerability, trying to scuttle into shadow. The need to accept and be accepted. To bottle the sticky sharpness of dread and cast it into water. To fold self-doubt into a bird and watch it flutter away. Solstice Blessing Bring your tired, broken selves to the threshold of summer's door. Lay down your efforts, your tools, your productivity. Take your shoes off and become a woman again who delights in this welcome change of season where the light is the longest and we stay up late to revel in it. This day tells us the dark days do pass and the stories we tell ourselves that they never will are wrong. Today, our beacon of light in the sky beckons us to undress our made-up selves and strip down to our most natural parts and be slow again, home again, back again at this high point of the year, which invites us once again to take stock of our blessings and what can be let go, plant our intentions for what we want to grow, in the wild, unkempt gardens of our lives and weed out the taproots of what we no longer welcome, that we may harvest the precious nutrients waiting in the ground to nourish us. Today we give thanks for the women in our lives who inspire us and support us to be the best bouquet we can arrange of ourselves. We give thanks for each other who, in braving their truth, 
invite us into our own authentic skin, our true home, our fertile ground, where we find ourselves planted today. Make peace with the life you find yourself in. 1,000 dogwood blossoms fill the palms of the branches that reach up to your very window. 100,000 green maple leaves unfurl from above like a legion of parasols, holding you in a merciful shade. Both are here for your comfort if you remember to thank them. Both are blessings on you if you remember to thank them. Gasping for peonies. This morning on my walk, I gasped at a new stand of blossoms, peonies in lotus pink, a regal garden party in plain sight at the edge of a parking lot, as if the royal family was standing at a drive-through window ordering Sundays, and you could just walk over and say, hey. But when I leaned in to take their scent, they smelled of dead fish at low tide, and I checked twice to make sure, and it made me think of dating and dashingness. Sometimes you can't see if there's a stench till you get up good and close. That said, I'd try my luck smelling a hunky poet any day. My name is Lawrence. This is a short story that I wrote for my mother and stepfather. Um, I just want to say thank you for never giving up on me. Summer is well. When the sun is bright and happy, all is right. City folks exercise their right to bask in the warmth and the rays. Each summer, new creations are initiated into the traditional migration to the sea. Time pours quickly when laziness takes root. Families are comfortably stuck in the habitual application of sunscreen, the layering of tank tops over bathing suits, and the pitter-pat of flip-flops. Always too soon, the day comes when reality awakens the seasonal dreamers. And slothfully, each patron of the sea folds the beach chair, shakes the towel from the shore, and grasps a miniature hand and half drags them from their castles, their moats, and their worlds unknown to maturity. Each age face lurches at the child's resistance because they feel it too. And nothing in this world is more appealing than falling into the seaside and surrendering to their dreams. But dreams won't pay the mortgage, and the ocean is no substitute for arithmetic. Because somehow, some way, you have to insist that they will use it in real life even though you never have. So you are the bigger person as you drag their struggling form from the sea. Later in life, they will come to you with a quivering heart and lack of experience in this world. They will tell you of unrealistic expectations that will never logically come true. So you awaken them to the cold reality that breaks dreamers and sets them for a successful life of the mundane business of living. Their heart is breaking, and you can see it in their eyes. You reflect on that last day at the sea, and how they loved her, but you didn't allow them to stay there because you loved them enough to break their heart yourself rather than have the world do it. They hate you because they've already been told by everyone else that they were foolish. And now, you, of all humanity, have betrayed them. 
and you love them so and they hate you. Confident that seasonal strife will someday ease, you yield to their hatred and give them space to fail and fail and fail again. All the while, they think of that summer at sea and how you betrayed them then as well. Hatred heaped like coals fuel determination to succeed in foolish dreams. Then the fruit of your loins plummeted to the depths of desperation. After years of waning hope, they finally surrendered their hearts to winter. With heads bent in shame and frost-covered eyes, they silently admitted defeat. And you, who loved them most, held them in your arms and reminisced of that long car ride home after the summer at sea. They stared absently from their car seat as the world rushed away swiftly as their innocence. It was the first cold awakening of a lifetime of disappointment. Arriving home, you opened their door and were met with glossy disappointment and tattered hope. So you took the child in your arms and held the pieces of their heart back together. And you squeezed them to your breast as tears leaked down your shirt drowning your own heart to see them in so much pain. And now you hold them in the same way, the same disappointment in their spirit, the same drowning of your own heart. My name's Nandi. This poem is called The Palimpsestual Gift. The poetics of space have a face like the clouds. Ephemeral, ascent, total, the tall tale told twice is remembered once. A cellar step slips up itself, feels cold, runs down path between nostril and mouth, inhales in gusts of incomprehensible digestion. It stands tall for a short while, while line breaks break lines over its need for method, bouncing on Papa's free leaf veins, coursing through every curse, blessing of blood. I see you near my knuckles. I see you here, unshackled, tackling the light with your monosyllabic testicle. Anything goes under this breeze we breathe. Scrawling palimpsests in the crevice behind a lover's knee kissed softly. There are lips stained with ink raining softly, from the boundless border collapsing softly into quick sprint, into slow wave, softly like thunder, like the blundering bloated belly of a whale in your eye, wrists rise softly. The sky is your nature, the nature is mind. Mind is this soft patter, this pittering thud of immaterial matter splashing across the cliff of your past. Softly, it gathers. To erode is to give way, to give path, to give softly. A future, the air ripe with oxygen, you take it in over and over and under again. All of this matters softly as skin, rubbed raw with war, death, er, loss of less or more or or, where between the cracks in pavement stretches a flower, opening its fists, its lips, it shifts softly, 
to the sun, rain, and wind, winding its weave through end and beginning, softly to sing of the simple rhythmic pull of the push of the breath from without to within, from lung to this hymn sung by the shoulder of this holy right now. The immediacy of this life, this death, to unbury the earth, let your fallen lash rise to the sky. Softly, softly, as often as why, as present as when, eyes cast upon eternity, that light beckons thy great dissolution. Hello, my name is Kip Foster. Um, I also go by a pen name KQ Foster. And these are a couple poems that I wrote about uh, noticing the little things and another about uh, the passing of time. So the first one I will read is called Meadow. Meadow. Through the garden, there are secrets hiding in sight. Through the meadow, they whisper in the breeze and linger high in the trees. They are small and under your feet. They are behind the fruits and under the weeds. The groundhog stands still and patient, watching you on the edges of her home, on the outskirts of the meadow where her curiosity is shown. There are secrets in the grass, but one only hidden unless you look unless your feet stop and eyes wander. The ants, the snails, the spiders and beetles too, the tiny creatures you can't name, all the ones that don't know you. They're in the threads of grass, which is more than a blade, but the clovers, the dandelions, the leaves you cannot name. They're the jungle to a city of life, all crawling in a carpet you forget isn't just for your feet, and a lawn routinely shredded, but always remains complete. The meadow on the outskirts, its view interrupted by a small friend on your glasses lens, is a place so wild it's a home, protected from shoe travelers and unfamiliar sounds. We don't walk through the meadows, not without cause or a sacrifice to the brush. That's why the groundhog retreats there, where her burrow is dug, why she watches you in a hush. There are secrets where you go, where you linger, where you stride. But these secrets are not kept from you. They're the ones that you hide. So in the mystery of the meadow, take a moment in the garden, in the grass, to see all which breathes with you, all within your grasp. Their presence can be known, but only if you care, to know why the ant crawls on your limbs, to see what shells the snails wear. They're here. Not for you, nor I, but they're here, you know. They're here, and they don't ask why. And that was Meadow. Uh, next is a short poem about the passing of time. And I call it, um, it's actually untitled, so. It happens every year. The frost comes too fast and winter disappears. But the flowers bloom on the branches of trees, a deeper shade than my calendar's pen. So I'll ask questions of now and not questions of when.
that's it. Thank you for listening. My phone is ringing, but not the one in my pocket. Not the one that you and I spend hours staring at all day long. Not the one that buzzes with a message or pings with a Snapchat. Not the one that you can see the curated lives of everyone near and far just through the pixels of the $1,400 glass screen. There's a phone that's not in my pocket or my hand, but deeper than that. There's this ringing calling me, but I'm not sure who it is or where it's calling me to. Sometimes I feel like it's calling me to pack a bag, get on the road and go. Yet, at times the ringtone sounds a little like my mom calling me inside for dinner, and I'm dirty from playing outside, so I have to take my shoes off on the doorstep and wash my hands up to my elbows before tucking myself into my spot at the end of the dinner table. I was at the end of the dinner table because I was a bit of a later addition to my siblings. Sometimes the ringing makes me want to dance into a sunset or fall into a breeze that will carry me wherever I am meant to go. I think sometimes it's telling me to run into an ocean on the San Diego waterline until I'm wet up to my waist just to remember I never even changed into my bathing suit. This weird kind of ingrained phone calls me and tells me to be a scurrying ant in a glistening city of towering skyscrapers, to be irrelevant and new and small, to go to a shop where no one knows my name or even my face and they don't care, to get in my car with the back seats down and sell everything I own except for my guitar and make music for everyone to hear or hate, to go somewhere where all I can see is rolling ripples of orange dreamsicle sand with a melting sun tucking itself away for the night, to sip coffee in the morning with the sound of sing-song birds in my ears and think of nothing else but, damn, this is good. The humming phone sometimes tells me to find another human who fills whatever gap even made me write this sentence. Yet sometimes it tells me to be in a desolate, divine state of being where my breathing in and out sinks up with the crashing and rolling sea and my toes gripping the wet sand is the only other thing that I'm really holding on to. This phone is always ringing. Who is constantly calling? Somewhere is constantly calling. When should I pick up? Hello, everyone. It's Jenna again popping back in to close out the episode with three poems of my own. The first one is untitled and is inspired from a reflective moment I had of, if you think about the seasons as if they were life cycles, summer really feels like it would be the prime of life. And that is sort of the place that I find myself in right now at least age wise and yeah so this is sort of what came out of me spending some time thinking about that born from scratches in the ground growing under skies of pink and gray and blue reaching up and out like a morning stretch long and free and easy arriving at something wild the prime of life ripe and fragrant and full of color, dusting pollen on anther, on ovule, fertile fruit, only to realize the growing season is short and the days grow dark and darker and darkest. So this next one is a title. It's called Sapovnella, and I definitely mispronounced that. I feel like every time I read this, I apologize because I do not speak Russian. Um, but the word means 
The Flower That Nobody Can Find. And it's actually the title of a short film from 1959 that was banned in Soviet era Russia because uh, the folks in power did not like the ending of it. But it's this really beautiful story about eternal nature running out of time because it features this old man that is in love with nature and makes these magnificent flower arrangements. But as the film goes on, tractors gradually invade the flower fields near this person's home. And I wanted to include this one in today's episode because there's a particular feeling of like when you are sad in summer it is a very specific type of sadness and I currently I'm feeling like I'm experiencing and leaning into a lot of joy in my life so I'm not this is not an accurate reflection of my current state of mind But it's a place I've been, and I'm sure it's a place that I will return to at another point in my life. And I think it's important to acknowledge that, that some people listening to this this episode might not be like, yeah, summer's awesome. I'm so excited. Like being sad in summertime often feels like you're this like stationary object and everything is moving so fast around you that it can be overwhelming. And I think sometimes... um, really a lot more intense than being sad in a season that feels more appropriate to be that way like the dark depths of winter or the moodiness of fall so I wanted to include this for those of you that may be feeling that way right now I am always the lover call me Sapovnella the flower nobody can find, never admired, never loved, budding, blooming, brightly, a rose, a rose never admired, never loved, coming into my own solitary inflorescence, I am always the lover, never loved. All right, and then we'll end with this final one, which is also untitled. And I wrote this up at my family's um camp we live in Maine we call it camp it's like our summer cottage and one of my family members was mowing the lawn and accidentally mowed over this like huge patch of raspberry bushes that another family member of mine had been growing for like years so it was a whole thing but it it brought this sort of uh this imagery to mind that inspired this poem Flashing blades, daggers and thorns, slicing and gnawing at tendrils, scraggly and writhing. The screaming rabid beast sinks its teeth, stained by the juice, sweet and raspberry red, famished, feasting and hungry for more. This war is ages old, man versus machine, machine versus nature, nature versus time. The battle may be won, But in this long game, nature always wins, and to the victor go the spoils. I'd like to thank the poets that contributed to today's episode, as well as the Portland Poets Society for your continued collaboration. 
I'd also like to thank the listeners. If you like what you heard and want to hear more of these types of episodes or other episodes on the network, we are the American Shoreline Podcast Network. You can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Subscribes, rates, and reviews are always welcome and appreciated. If you enjoy social media, you can find us online. We are at Coastal News 365 on Instagram and Twitter. And if you would like to connect with me personally, I am at Jenna Valente on Instagram and at Yenna Benna on Twitter. So please find us online and let's chat about our beautiful coastlines. <laughs>